on on my life, and and we had um, my son and his fiance were down here for uh, to celebrate Father's Day yesterday, and uh, you know we're at a stage in life where um, I like to be around my kids, and and I know that sometimes as dads, kids can be a little annoying. Um, every time I would come home from work. I would visit the restroom. Now, not, I'm probably TMI, but sometimes just to, and, and I, I kid you not, one or two of the kids, or more, because we had three, would inevitably just come knock on the door, Dad, Dad, and I'm like, I just got home, <laughs> you know? But, you know, you find that, you know, and then kids are just kids, and they act funny, and you, but then there's a stage where you just go, man, I just really enjoy my kids, and all the hard work of putting up with their growth and their silliness and then putting up with me not being the best dad it just it's just a pleasure and so um i just we want to be thankful for the dads some i know some dads have passed on uh some are are you know at a distance my dad you know is far away um but uh and some are right in the home still dealing with young ones and and so we want to pray for them uh but uh we're just thankful that god has provided fathers because God is our father and as believers we get to and even in our brokenness and our our frailed and marred flesh we get to give a small representation hopefully of what a real relationship with God the father is like even though it's a glimpse right there are moments where you're like okay that's almost like God I I did good for that one moment in my kid's life so um, let's pray for the fathers Lord, we thank you for the fathers, what a blessing they are. We ask that you would bless them. We ask that you would, uh, the, the fathers that are part of our church would would just uh, sense, Lord, what a great responsibility it is, and also, Lord, would respond to the desperate need for your help to, to guide and direct. Uh, it doesn't matter how old your kids are, you never stop being a dad. So, Lord, we thank you for the dads. We ask in, in this community that you would move on the hearts of dad, that they, dads, that they would, they would have a spiritual awakening of sorts and realize they need to lead their family of eternal things that matter. So, Lord, please bless. We thank you for our dads, and we just uh, uh, look forward to, to what you're going to do in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we come upon a familiar passage. We read it in the Gospel, Luke chapter 10. Um, how many of you have heard the parable of the Good Samaritan before? Okay. So, the, the Good Samaritan is, is an interesting parable. Um, it, you know, it's interesting when, when the lawyer comes to test Christ, Jesus doesn't answer him, really. He's like, well, what do you think? What do you think you need to do? Um, and sometimes that's a good thing to do when people say, hey, well, what, what do you think about this? I don't know. What do you think? And then we go, hmm, okay, well, let me tell you how the kingdom works. We're in this series uh, for the next several weeks called The Kingdom of Heaven Is. And I think, you know, we recognize that we're citizens of heaven, but yet how to live like that is really, we don't know. But Jesus has expressed these parables so that we can understand how the kingdom functions So here's some background about the Samaritans. Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jews because they were considered impure. You might have a little bit of a recollection that Jesus at the well was actually a Samaritan woman came and and, and he had a conversation with her. And and when when the disciples came back, 
they were astounded not only that he was talking to a woman, but he was talking to a Samaritan woman. It's very significant for them for us to understand what a Samaritan is. The Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile. The Samaritans came about after the Assyrian captivity of the northern kingdom around 721 B.C. Certain people from the nation of Israel stayed behind after the captivity. These people intermarried with the Assyrians, producing Samaritans. And so the ones who left and didn't hang out were like, well, we're the ones that are the pure Jews. How dare you marry them? You are less than. There was great animosity between the two groups. And the Jews believed that the Samaritans were less than human. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm sympathetic to our current circumstance. But God has shown us in his word that humans are humans and they desperately need the love of Christ. And, and so when we look at the world, the brokenness of the world, I mean, we're just like, yeah. I mean, even in the, the, the passage in Leviticus, you know, yeah, don't, don't yell things at deaf people and don't put things in front of blind people. I'm like, what are we, what are we in junior high? You know, it's like you had to mention in the Bible, don't do that. We're, we're just interesting people. As we read in the Gospel of Luke, a man, now we do not know whether this man was Jew or Gentile, but he was overtaken by robbers and left for dead. And then we see the priest. He saw the man and he walked on the other side of the road. Now a priest was prohibited from touching a dead body and he was left for dead. Chances are is he probably wasn't moving and the priest was on the other side that you know, didn't want to get close enough to see, okay, because he couldn't have touched a dead body. So he would not even have the inclination to check on him. And so he walked on the other side. Now I think it's always important for us to insert ourselves into each character because sometimes we go, oh, that priest, look what he did. It's like, well, you know, there's a little bit of, of each of us. Each, there's a little bit of priest in each of us. There's a little bit of Levite in each of us. There's definitely a lot of the man on the side of the road in each of us. I think that when we look at the priest was devout, Right? But he was so devout that he was more concerned about keeping the appearance of the law and ritual so that he might continue his position. Um, and, you know, it was interesting because he didn't show mercy. And that's what, what Jesus was calling out. Because who, who was the one who showed mercy? Well, it wasn't the priest. It wasn't the Levite. It was the Samaritan. Go show mercy. We often can get caught up in doing the right things that we forsake the real need of others. Now again, I never want us to, to look at a scripture like this and go, I gotta go fix everyone who's broken. That's that's not the point. The point is we need to be aware that Jesus desires mercy. In fact, we're told he desires mercy and not sacrifice. He would rather you do acts of mercy than to sacrifice everything that you have. Because he cares about people who are broken and beaten down. So there's a challenge for us. We need to not let ritual and tradition blind us or prohibit us from helping others. We like our comfort. I'm not going to lie. I like my evenings where I, I just sit on the couch with my wife. It's like I look forward to it every day, you know. And, and so, but but does that mean that I can't get disrupted? Well, I'll tell you, it might. <laughs> so I have to wrestle with that. Go my routine in the mornings. Laura will tell you. Whenever we have guests stay at our house, she tells you just leave Kirk alone in the morning. He likes to get the coffee ready. He likes to do this. And he's not a conversationalist in the morning. You give me about an hour or so, go through my routine, and then I'll be happy to talk to you. 
So when that gets disrupted, I have to go, okay, how selfish am I being? Can I actually show mercy and grace towards this person who actually wants to talk to me? Now, the Levite would have been one who um, would not have the same restriction about dead bodies, but he was one who served in the temple. You might remember that the Levites were set apart by God as one of the tribes to do the acts of service in the temple. We do not know why he really passed on the other side. It just notes that he does. Um, We know that he avoided helping or even checking on the man. So regardless of why, but he was someone who was faithful to the church. I think we can see that even with us, we have a tendency to talk the talk, but not walk the walk. You know, it's easy for us to say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. But it's hard for us sometimes to show that in action. And maybe I'm just speaking to myself here, but I think sometimes we find it's very easy to say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's very easy to go to church even. Um, but to, throughout, bless you, to go throughout the, the, the week and actually be merciful is sometimes very difficult. So I think we should consider where do I like to be called Christ? So where do I like to be called a Christian? But where am I not willing to live in? Uh, we, even in Bible study this morning, right? We talked about, okay, so now we got to live this life, but what does it look like? It's not rules and regulations because we're no longer under the law, but there is an expectation as people who have the light of Christ that we would share that. And next week, Bible study is going to, is that, how then now do you walk? So, um, trust me, it'll be good. It won't be, you won't feel heavy burdened after it's over, but I encourage you to come at nine for that. Now we come to the Samaritan. Now, the Samaritan helped the helpless, paid the price for healing, and did not expect anything in return from the injured man. Sounds like our great Savior. I think the simple correlation is that the Samaritan in the story represents Jesus. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is with you, right? When he was present. Now he's telling you how the kingdom of heaven functions. Remember that Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile. And I find it interesting that the character that best represents Jesus is half Jew, half Gentile. To the Jewish mind, anyone that was not Jew was considered a Gentile. So if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. You're outside of God's chosen people. However, in the Samaritan, we have both represented. We have Jew and Gentile represented in the Samaritan. Interesting. Let's consider the parable this way. There was mankind and the cares of this world um, and the enemy of God, Satan, beat mankind up, leaving him for dead. Along came the law of religious piety. The law could not be defiled with the ills of mankind, for it is perfect, but it was ineffective to help mankind because mankind could not get up and perform the requirements of the law. So the law eluded broken mankind and passed by. But then religious claims and religious activity came upon broken mankind. It cared about performing outward acts that appeared righteous. And so he said to himself, well, at least I will pray for you. But he walked along the other side. But broken humanity was left for dead and had not the ability even to look or act or even think religious. Along came the Savior. He identified with humanity but retained his divinity. He looked upon broken mankind and had compassion on him for he knew that mankind was broken and beaten and incapable of living. He gently lifted mankind, cleaned the wounds, and placed mankind in a safe place. He paid all the costs so that mankind could heal and live. This Savior is our best friend and our true neighbor. 
In him we see all mankind represented, both Jew and Gentile. So you see up here we're doing community days. We have two candles lit up there on the altar. One is representing the divinity of Christ. One's representing his humanity. So we see that Jesus said, I want all mankind to find salvation in me, and I have done it for you. Jesus came to save all mankind. And we now have the joy of sharing his love with broken mankind that is left for dead in the ditch. And I think sometimes we forget that. Well, let me speak for myself. When we look at people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who haven't accepted the free gift that he offers, do we look at them as, man, they're dead and broken and beaten on the side of the road? Or do we go, yeah, whatever, they're just this. Speaking to me, a lot of times I might, I just don't give the time. I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe if they'd wake up. Please be sure to know that God is inviting us into sharing his love and his, and his complete ability with others. He's not inviting you to say, okay, how can I go find those people and how can I do this? He is not expecting us to carry the burden or be the savior for others. That's his job. He is asking us, though, if we would be willing to bring Jesus to those who are in such great need. I want to encourage us all. You might get tired of hearing this, but I'm saying it anyway. To set our alarms for 8 o'clock and pray for broken humanity, especially those in our surrounding area. There are people that are broken and beaten on the side of the road and they cannot help themselves. And God wants to give you opportunity to reach into some of those people's lives. He'll, you know, so the Samaritan's walking on the road and he notices. We walk through our daily life. God would give us the eyes just to notice these areas that we might be able to speak some life into our co-workers, right, Sue? Or, you know, and just say, hey, you know, we're, we're okay here. We've got this. Jesus loves you. Just because we have to social distance too, by the way, does not mean we cannot invite people to come join us at church. We have a whole room set up there. They can have a lot more people. We have room at the end of that pew. We have a whole empty pew. Of course, we have some families out of town, but we have plenty of room. And again, I've said this before, all they can do is say no, right? You know, I know we don't like rejection, so that's the problem. But I also want us to encourage us to be willing to be stretched and to grow in Christ. I believe that the Holy Spirit is drawing us to great things. I do. I, I just look at what God is doing in our community, what's happening in the world, um, and just what he's doing in our little church here. And I think that he wants to continue to use us in mighty ways and that we would be open to that. It's exciting, I think, to be part of what God is doing in our church, in our community, and in the world. So let's just take a moment and, and reflect upon what God might be saying to us. You know, he's not, he doesn't want you to be on a guilt trip. We never want that. But he wants you to say, yeah, are you willing just to be a little more aware willing to be on the journey and, and willing to be distracted by the needs of someone else. So let's just take a moment in silence and reflection.